0: Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here and taking time out of your day to listen and grow with God. We pray that God will speak to you and you will experience his amazing love through this message. Let's take a listen. Church, I hope you are as excited as I am to be here today. For those of you who don't know me, I'm I'm Josh. I'm going to get you to hold that for me. Uh, I'm I'm, uh, on... I've been on staff here at Greystone for a couple years now, and uh, I'll talk a little bit more about me in just a moment. As you guys can tell, I have a helper up here uh, with me. This guy might be familiar to you, especially at the Monroe campus. This is Joey. Can you guys say hi, Joey? Uh, Joey has, let's have some fun this morning, okay? Joey has no idea what I'm about to ask him to do. He has no idea. He's just been a good sport. (laughs) I could ask him to do anything, but I've decided to not embarrass him. I told him that I wouldn't embarrass him. Uh, But I'm a visual learner. For those of you who out there are visual learners, you're welcome. Uh, We're gonna talk about Moses's, thank you for that. (laughs) You're like, I am. We're gonna talk about Moses' staff a little bit. And so uh, looking at Exodus chapter 17, I hope you have your talk notes. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm I'm gonna get him to, what I want you to do is I want you to take that staff, rod, stick, whatever you call it, and hold it with both hands right here in front of you. I want you to hold it up over your head. I'll tell you when to stop. You ready? Cool, all right. So as he's doing that... I wanted to introduce uh, myself. Some of you guys are newer to Greystone, and so you may not know uh, my story just a little bit. I'm gonna spend just a few minutes sharing this and really cool story. Uh, on the screen, you'll see uh, maybe a picture of us, uh, the Fraser clan, the Fraser crew. Um, obviously, I'm Josh. Uh, I'm one of the campus pastors here. I help lead worship here at the Loganville campus. There's my wife, Crystal, over on the far other side. Uh, We've been married 13 years. She works at Northside Hospital. She's an athletic trainer. Uh, The Lord has blessed us with three incredible uh, kiddos. The, The girl that's beside me, Isabella, she's one of our twins. As you can tell, there's a hose coming. She has a trach. Uh, she was born blind, she's uh, nonverbal. she eats with a, a, a port in her belly. We're, we have to primarily caretake, we're caretakers for her. And You think of all the laundry list of things that you would do for a baby. We continue to do those things, but we wouldn't change it for the world. We've, we've allowed this to, we've, we've asked God to do this so that we could trust him even that much more. Uh, beside her is another redhead. Two out of the three are redheads, yes. Um, <laughs> That's another message. Uh, Tegan, uh, she's our seven-year-old. You doing good over there? No, I'm talking hold it up straight. That's one. Okay, cool, perfect. Um, Joey was slacking a little bit. Uh, Tegan is our other, uh, she's, our, she's our other redhead. Tegan, she's seven years old. Uh, she was born with spina bifida, so she can't feel from down here to her feet. She, so we have two of our three girls in wheelchairs, uh, but she is a joy. She has an infectious laugh. For those of you who have heard her laugh, Uh, she's an incredible joy to our family. And and then the girl that's behind her, I'm gonna spend a little extra time talking about her. She's our oldest, she's Alexis. Last season, uh, we got her plugged into softball, 8U softball at Bay Creek down here in Grayson. She had never swung a bat, never thrown a ball, never done anything. So her dad was gently like, you got this, you know. Did she have it? I don't know, verdict was still out. So we we had our practices. Finally, our first game. You as a parent, right, you get this like pride. You're like, okay, first game. She's gonna just, oh, it's gonna be awesome. It probably wasn't gonna be awesome, but we didn't know. So she finally got up to the plate. It was her time to at bat. She gets there. What is dad doing? Dad's kind of edging toward a little bit closer to the edge of the seat, just, you know? So I told her to swing. She learned that from her dad, swing the bat. Uh, Swing, and she finally made contact with the ball, guys. Woo, that's what I'm talking about. She made it, she hit it, and it wasn't far. Then the, the, the enemy, I mean the other team, uh, grabbed the ball and threw it over her. She went from first base, second base, third base. She rounded around the corner. Her dad stood up out of his seat and was like, "Woo! made home plate, guys. She put a point on the board, the very first at-bat. Come on. What did, my, what did I do? Well done, honey. Good job. No. <laughs> I went, yes, that's my girl. Those are my exact words. Those who were there can confirm. Hey, thank you so much. Can we give Joey another round of applause? I think that's been enough time. Did you struggle at all? Yes. You did struggle at all. You were. Okay, hey, I got a gift for you after the service, man. Good job. This will make sense, I promise. Give Joey another round of applause as he exits the stage. Um, yes, good job, good job. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about him. I don't know if you saw him. He was kind of... He's a young whippersnapper, but yet he was still kind of struggling. This will tie into the message today. Uh, guys, without further ado, we're going go to uh, go ahead and go into Scripture, Exodus chapter 17. If you have your Bible, if you don't, it'll be up on the screen. We're going to just spend some time with a few uh, verses here. Some of you guys are familiar with this story. Others of you might not be. We're, looking, we're continuing this series called The Names of God. Today, specifically, we're looking at this name called Jehovah Nisi. Can we all say that together? One, two, three. Jehovah Nisi. It means the Lord is our banner. The Lord is my banner. In order to know about this beautiful name of God, we have to find the context in which we find this name. Uh, the name is found in Exodus chapter 17 in a context of war or battle. Uh, We're getting ready to watch the Israelites or or read that the Israelites are going into war, a battle. And for those of us in the room, or those of us who are listening, uh, many of you have, might be currently or recently have been in some sort of battle. Maybe you don't even realize it. Maybe you are struggling with anxiety, depression, lust, uh, finances, fear, worry, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, some type of battle. I know that I have had my fair share of battles. And I'm grateful for those. In real talk, just early on in the message, real talk, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. And this side of heaven as a byproduct, we will have battles. And it's not necessarily just when we come to Christ, does that automatically mean that those battles will just dissipate? No. It means that when those battles happen, we will have someone in our midst while the war rages on. So what I'd like to do is go ahead and just open up Exodus chapter 17 and let's go ahead and read this story here. Verse eight, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up, so Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle, verse 14. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi or Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek, generation after generation. So let's pray and dive into our study together. Would you join me in prayer? Uh, Lord, we're excited about learning this new name of you. Help us to remove distractions out of our minds that we can fully focus on you today. I pray that your word would accomplish the purposes you want to achieve in us. Lord, soften our hearts. We ask that you would soften us, that we would learn something new and apply it to our lives to fully live for you. If you guys agree, In Jesus' name, say Amen. Amen. So, going back to the text, the Hebrew people had previously left Egypt. If those of you who guys know some of the Old Testament, they're they're coming out of Egypt, and uh, they are now as free people heading to where the Promised Land. They're heading toward the Promised Land, and and now it says in verse eight, the Amalek came to attack them, and they're they're like they're not ready for this, right? Amalek, it says in Scripture, is actually the grandson of Esau. And Esau, if you know from Scripture, Esau is whose, whose brother? Jacob's brother. And so Jacob and Esau, you find in Scripture they had some quarrel. You could put it lightly. They had some things going. They were fighting. And so if you kind of put two and two together, who are the Amalekites? They are descended from Amalek. And the Amalekites and Israelites are probably like distant cousins. So we have family fighting against family. Does anybody know if family's fighting against family? Old news, right? And it's still happening <laughs> today. So keep in mind, the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They're not, they're not like pro-warriors, right? They, that's all they've known, enslavement. So this right here is the very first war we find in scripture that the Israelites are about to fight. And so what does Moses do? This is how he reacts. Moses is like, okay, they're coming to fight us what I want you to do, he goes to Joshua, he handpicks Joshua, and he says, Joshua, what I want you to do is rally up a lot of fighting men, and I want you to go fight these Amalekites. You are now the head general of Israel. And so he goes and goes and gets these fighting men, but then Moses says, you know what, while you're doing that, I'm gonna go up on this hill, and I'm gonna hold my staff up. I don't know about you, but listen, if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking that's gotta be some kind of joke, right? Like, here, I'm gonna go fight the Amalekites, and you're gonna go up on a hill and hold a stick? Like, what, what? So what I, what I like to do is just show you an exact replica of Moses' staff here. No, it's, it's, not, it's not an exact replica of Moses' stick. I don't know where we really found this. It might just be a, a broom handle, but I thought, I thought maybe having a prop might help me preach better, but... <laughs> um, yeah, so Moses <laughs> holds this stick over his head. So it says here in verse 9 and 10, Joshua goes and fights, he obeys Moses, and Moses goes to the hilltop and raises his shepherd's staff up over his head, and the Israelite army would be winning. But it says every time that it dropped, the Amalekites would be winning. Uh, this, is, this might be some immature humor, but you know, if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just going to do like this a couple of times just to see how it would, <laughs> see how it would pan out, you know? Like I said, it might be immature humor, but (laughs) as you can tell in this story, like, you know, you're, it's not the staff. The the staff was a tool by which God used. God did not have some miracle power in this staff, which we're going to talk a little bit more about but it was God fighting for the Israelites because Moses was obedient to do so. And Joshua was obedient to do so. And so I'm thankful that we see this obedience displayed right here. For those of us who are unfamiliar with Moses' life, um, maybe you guys want to write this down so you guys can be Moses scholars. You can break down Moses' life into three distinctive 40-year periods. So you've got 40 to 40, 40, uh, 40 to 80, and then 80, and then so on. So, so birth to 40, you see Moses in where? The Pharaoh's palace. He's living a life of luxury. That's birth to 40 and then you've got 40 to 80 what happens he, he kills an Egyptian he flees to a land called Midian and and, and that, that's what happens from 40 to 80. and then he becomes a, a shepherd basically of, of sheep and then from 80 God calls Moses to free his people out of slavery and then from the ne- for the next forty years he's the active leader of the complaining Israelites in the desert so In that middle 40-year period, God revealed himself to Moses through a burning bush. Moses is asked during this terrifying encounter, I mean, think about a burning bush. He wants wants Moses to go and free his people out of enslavement. So Exodus chapter 4, verse 17, God allows Moses to use his shepherd's staff as a tool to do miraculous signs. Uh, There there was nothing powerful in the staff by itself. God was using an ordinary object to display his glory to the Israelite people. So, this is not a, a magical staff. Uh, have you, how many of you guys have ever read the Harry Potter books? Okay, so it's not a, not a magician wand. Can you admit that in church? Uh, yeah, not a magician, like Liviosa, you know, or Gandalf's cane, or, you know, there's nothing powerful in this, in this staff, but, and we see this throughout scripture. We could spend all afternoon talking about what God used as a tool for his glory. There, I wrote down just three things. You, want to, you guys wanna jot these down? These are not in your notes. But in the book of Judges, Samson uses a jawbone as a weapon. And what does he do? But with God, he, he defeats a whole Philistine army with it, with the jawbone of a donkey. David takes ordinary rocks in a slingshot. But with God, what does he do? He beats an undefeatable giant at that time named Goliath, but he defeats it. But with God, He used that tool. In the New Testament, a little boy empties out his lunchbox with some fish and some bread. But with God, God used Jesus to feed multitudes, thousands of people with that. And so you see that God can take ordinary things and use them to accomplish extraordinary purposes. You might be thinking, I'm just an ordinary person. I have ordinary gifts, ordinary personality, ordinary... Uh, you know, skill sets, ordinary abilities. Listen, God can use all of those ordinary things and use them for extraordinary purposes, church. Don't underestimate God's power in your life. So here's point one. Don't underestimate because with God, because with God, he takes ordinary things to accomplish extraordinary purposes. So you see this with Moses, God uses this staff in a miraculous way. This is not the first time God uses this staff. There's been some history with this staff of Moses. Exodus chapter eight, if you back up a little bit, God tells Moses to hold this staff up and God would bring the plagues. What a a time that would have been to a life. That would have been crazy, right? Plagues came out. And then if you continue in Exodus chapter 14, God tells Moses to raise up his staff and God parts the Red Sea. Then you see now in Exodus chapter 17 that God is asking him to raise up his hands and raise up his staff, just like Joey did earlier. And he raised up his hands to fight the Amalekites to win this war, to win this battle. And Moses held up his hands and the Amalekites were defeated. They actually won that day until sunset. We do have to cut Moses some slack. Like what what I mentioned earlier, Moses was how how old at this time? He's like 80 years old. So he's going up on this hill, he's holding this staff, and it says, he goes up to this hill with who? Aaron and her. Aaron is Moses' brother. Her is a dude, not a, not a girl, her. How, how do you like to have that name? And they go and they see Moses struggling, and what, what, what do we see? They, they, they get on both sides of this staff. They first sit him down, because he's elderly, on a rock, and they come up beside him and they help hold this. I mean, you think about this for hours, you're holding this up so that the Amalekites, that the Amalekites would lose and the Israelites would win. Then in verse 14, God tells Moses to write this down. There have been a lot of amazing things that have happened up to this point. The reason that God says to write it down, I mean, you think about all the things that Moses has seen up to that point, the burning bush, the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Red Sea on dry ground. Um, You see the water coming out of the rock at the beginning of Exodus chapter 18, and obviously this battle. God is asking Moses to write it down. In fact, this is the first time that we find by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God asks Moses to write this down. What's the importance of that? The importance is that we won't forget. They won't forget. Who's gonna read it? Joshua, and Joshua is gonna continue in the generations to come to pour into the next generation, and the next generation after that. Look what God did. We gotta start writing things down. We gotta remember, this is the importance of Scripture to us because we can look back to see what God did back then look what he can do now. So for us in this story, what should we remember? What should we apply? I have a couple of, couple of things. These are on your talk notes. Number one, battles come when we're comfortable. Battles come when we're in a comfortable place. Um, Rephidium, in verse eight, means a place of rest. It means a place of rest. What was happening to the Israelites? They were heading out of enslavement, they've seen God move, and they come to Rephidim, and if you look at Rephidim now, you Google up some pictures, you'll see palm branches. It's a luxurious place. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. So the Israelites were just kicking back, chilling, they probably pulled out their hammocks, just hanging out, and then all of a sudden, the Amalekites just come in, and they attack them. You see, our enemy, Satan, will attack us when we are hungry, when we're thirsty, when we're defenseless, when we let down our guard, we, we get a little too comfortable with our life circumstances. Maybe, and I don't want to step on toes, but I'm gonna. You ready? <laughs> Maybe some of us are in a spiritual break. Like we're not in the word as we, should, as we should be. We're not praying to the Lord in a relationship, talking to him as much as we should be. Here's another thing. I am better because I am in a small group. I have people around me. I have people pouring into me. Maybe some of you guys are not in a small group. You're not in fellowship, discipleship with like-minded believers saying, let's do it. You got this. Stay close to Jesus. Get in his word. And so what happens is if we're not in those situations, the enemy's possibly right around the corner. Listen, I got some scripture to back this up, talking about being on guard. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse eight. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. First Corinthians 16, 13, you can't be any clearer. Paul says this, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. I would encourage us when we're most vulnerable when we're most comfortable. Number two, battles are fought with the help of true friends. Battles are fought with the help of true friends. There are two men, Aaron and Hur, that came alongside Moses, and they see he is in, in need of help. He's, Moses is holding this staff up, and what do they do? They come up beside him. They don't say, keep it up, Moses. You know, no, they, you know, they take action, and they get beside him, and they hold up the staff so that the Israelites would have victory. So I ask for us today do you have people in your life who will help you in those times you really need them? People who can help keep you accountable, people who can help encourage you when you need it the most. Do you have close friends or family members that, that are gonna do life with you when the tough times happen? And I'm gonna flip it. Are you an Aaron or her in someone else's life? Do you, when you notice your friend or acquaintance that there's something going on, do you? Do you go and take action? Stop waiting for somebody to do that for you, but do you take action and and all that support role for people around you? Galatians chapter six, verse two, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. We gotta share each other's burdens and we should be the best at it because Jesus has done that for us. We have a great example. Proverbs chapter 17, 17, a friend is always loyal. And a, bro- and a brother is born to help in time of need. So, this past week, uh, if you haven't already, if you haven't heard, um, somebody on our staff, Jamie Barwick, he's our executive, he's one of our executive pastors. He lost his mom, uh, Kathy, to an 18-year battle of cancer. Um, and so, last Wednesday, we they had the funeral, the, the celebration of life. Um, and, and what do you do in those types of situations? You know, you probably want to say something, you want to console, you want to hug. And that's what I saw. Some people not even saying anything, just being present. And just, I saw circles of people getting around the Barwick family saying, hey, we love you, we love you. If you need anything, let us know. That's how it should be all the time. And we lose sight of that. It's amazing how when a, when a, when a funeral happens, you kind of get remembered of like, oh yeah, oh yeah. The same thing with Jennifer Howells, uh, our, our lead pastor's wife, for those of you who are newer. Uh, she lost her mom. Uh, this pretty recently, uh, Debbie. And, uh, and that's why they're not here. They're actually, they have the service later on today. But uh, church, we should be people who support each other all the time. Uh, we get so busy in our calendar, like step into people's worlds. S- start struggling with people. Just oh. love on people that way. The word nisi derives from the Hebrew nes, which means banner or flee. Uh, for refuge. Ness is also also sometimes translated as standard or a pole with the insignia attached. It was lifted up on a display. So um, the third part of the talk notes here is battles are won when we fix our eyes on Jesus because he is our refuge. Battles come when we're comfortable. Battles are fought with true friends and battles are won with Jesus. At the end of the story, we see in verse 14 and 16 that Moses built an altar and named it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. This is the only time we find this name of God, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. We see the word banner in other times, but the Lord is our banner, this is the only time. So when we see this banner that's lifted up, this, this hope and this, this thing that we see, and we're like, yes, that's our victory, that's our, that's our hope, that's our truth. That's the same for us. God is still that for us today. That when we're going through difficulties and struggles this side of heaven, we can look to this banner and remove ourselves, That remind ourselves that we're not alone. We're not alone. You think about the Israelites. When they were, when they were fighting the Amalekites, you would think, okay, they saw Moses holding this staff up. What did that remind them of? God was fighting for us. The same thing applies to us today. Who was lifted up on that tree? It was Jesus who was lifted up And he took upon himself our sin, your sin, and my sin. And he said, it is finished, it's done. And so when we look to a cross, when you see a cross in someone's uh, neck or you see a, a cross on a wall or somewhere, we should automatically think that is our hope. That is our emblem, that is our signal, that is our banner. Jesus has become our banner. So that when the enemy attacks, when the enemy attacks, we can remind the enemy of who our Hope is found in. Where is our symbol? Our symbol is the cross. He died and bled for us. It is the same still for us today. So I'm not the originator of this statement. Maybe some of you guys have heard this this statement before, but I would encourage us as a church, Greystone, to, 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 to live this out. It says this, I'm not fighting for victory, but rather I'm fighting from victory. Not fighting for victory in my life, but I'm fighting from victory. And that from victory is from Jesus. 2,000 years ago, he came and set the captives free. He broke chains. He heals. He works, even still today. And so I wanna lastly share this verse with you, Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So let's not, con- let's, let's not continue to fix our eyes on our problems, which were so easy to do, but rather instead focus on him and his presence in our life. Let's let's live our life not not for victory, but from victory. Jesus has won the victory. Amen, church? He's good, he's close to those who have surrendered to him, and he is our banner. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to learn about this name of you, God jehovah nisi lord in the old testament you were fighting for your people and you won it wasn't by their power by their might they had no warrior experience they had no they had no they had no combat experience at all but lord you did a work that day lord and then fast forward though the work that you have done for us on the cross jesus thank you for being lifted up dying for us making a way when there was no way, taking upon yourself our sin and, Lord, being our Savior. Lord, may that never get old to us. May that set us free in whatever battle we're going through right now. Well, Lord, thank you for loving us the way that you do. We pray that we would live out our life and remind ourselves that you are our banner. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to go to our website, greystonechurch.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We look forward to connecting with you. We hope you have an amazing day and we'll catch you next week.